Hi, and welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Tara Kent. I'm the CEO of Champs Consulting. We're a global wellbeing consultancy and we're a partner of Club Soda. As you'd expect, we're closely connected to all things wellbeing at all times, and we spend our time working with organisations and individuals to support them, manage their wellbeing, and, and I think particularly through challenging times, of which, of course, we're right in one. Um, I, I think for one, one of the things I always say, as human beings, we've all got ways of coping with stress. Um, and we tend to draw on the things that have helped us in the past and they give us an immediate relief. Alcohol is one of those things. And certainly in my experience, whenever I mention the word stress at the moment, the first thing suggested to me by many people is to have a large glass of wine. The topic today that we're talking about is um, to explore the increasing use of alcohol as a coping mechanism and how we can better support it um, in the workplace for uh, by employers and for employees, um, including, of course, many, many people who are working at home right now or who are on furlough. Um, and we don't necessarily see them day in, day out in the way we used to. I'm joined on the panel by Emma Heal from Lucky Saint, Ross Carter from the Drinks Trust and Sarah Gorgon from Finlay James. I'm going to give them all a chance to say a bit more about what they do. And I'm going to start with Emma from Lucky Saint, who sponsored the Club Soda podcast this January. Emma. Hi, guys. Um, yeah, just to, just to say we're delighted to sponsor the podcast. There's um, so many of the topics discussed in the series, like fitness, running, mindful drinking, workplace wellness, are so important to Lucky Saint, the team. But also we know they're really important to our consumers as well. Um, if you'd like to try Lucky Saint, uh, there's a code to get £5 off and it's Club Soda 5, all letters, no numbers. So um, I joined the founder of Lucky Saint, Luke Bowes. Uh, in February t- uh, last year, 2020, as managing director. Luke, I have to press, is the genius behind the liquid and the brand. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've worked in consumer goods for 20 years in big giants like Tesco and Diageo, but also in startup fledgling brands, which have grown like Innocent and Grey's. Um, I joined Lucky Saint because uh, I'd had chil- two children under two, so them very, very quick, back to back. And so I didn't couldn't really drink for three and a half years. And I knew that there was really, really poor choice out there. And as soon as Luke sent me a bottle of Lucky Saint and I poured it out, um, having chilled it, and I realised how amazing the liquid was, I thought, I've got to help bring this brand to life. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, that's where I'm very, very, you know, we're very proud of the business. And um, yeah, that's why I'm here. Thanks, Emma. And I know certainly our founder, Ruth, is a big, big fan of Lucky Saint. So um, I think I'm just definitely going to be grabbing my offer after this. Uh, Ross. Hello. Uh, and thank you for having me. Um, yeah, my name is Ross Carter. I'm with the Drinks Trust. Uh, the Drinks Trust are the drinks industry charity, um, charitable organisation, has been since 1886. Um, we we effectively are there to support members of the industry through a variety of services, uh, well-being, financial support, educational support. Uh, and we too are a partner uh, of Club Soda and have been since about March, April last year, um, and where we made a, a conscious decision um, to move more into the space of supplying uh, services and support for those in our industry who either wanted to change their drinking habits or perhaps had a, a more significant concern that needed to be addressed. Um, as an industry, we're very conscious of the fact that obviously the product is, is is very accessible to people and in fact more accessible than it would be to others. And you know, I think if the industry charity can't um, you know, make positive moves to tackle that, then, then you know, what does that say uh, of the industry and the category as a whole? So we're, we're wholeheartedly invested in making sure that people's, people's uh, well-being and people's alcohol consumption is, is, is something that we're talking about very openly. 
Fantastic. Thanks, Ross. And I'll look forward in a, in a minute to hearing what led to that um, that increased focus. Uh, but before we do, Sarah. Thank you, Tara. Um, hi, so I, I'm Sarah Gohan, one of the co-owners of Benley James. We are a um, tech sales and marketing recruitment company. With um, We have an office in Manchester, one in London, and a couple in the States. Um, as an organisation, recruitment as a sector, I guess, recruitment has always been work hard, play hard. And it's only in recent years, I think, that well-being has started to take some shape. Um, I'm actually a a champion of mental health and recruitment, which is um, a big new initiative that's, that's only really been developed in COVID. And, you know, that's really focusing on things like alcohol consumption and whether we can do things to, to change the kind of focus of sales incentives and things like that, introducing things like alcohol-free beers and the like. So I'm really, really pleased to be here today. And um in terms of my personal development, myself and my husband have been members of Club Soda itself for four years now. We've both stopped drinking four years ago, um, and that's something that's really important to us moving forward. Brilliant. Thanks, Sarah. So, so I think we'll have a great conversation. I think it's, you know, certainly, I, I don't know about you, I've noticed a huge spotlight on alcohol in the press recently. There's been a lot about the NHS, but a lot in, in all sorts of industries about an increasing use of alcohol. Um, often cited as being a coping strategy for stress. I guess, Ross, I want to come to you. You mentioned that you put an increasing focus on alcohol. And I guess I'm wondering whether particular signs and symptoms or even people reaching out to you that led to that focus. You know, what, what alerted you to the fact that perhaps that was needed right now? Yeah, it's a good question. And the honest answer is you know, no one particular thing. It was a, it was a variety of things. And um, I, I joined the organisation uh, a year and a half ago with a remit to, to, to look at how to, to, to change some of the services and the offering that we had. Um, first of all, I was just very conscious of the fact that we're the drinks industry charity and we didn't tackle it, we didn't talk about it, it was kind of brushed under the carpet a little bit. I don't think actively, but certainly passively. And, and I think if the drinks industry charity can't talk about, you know, um, alcohol-related harm and, 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 and to a lesser extent, just healthy approach to drinking, then, then who can? And what does that say of the sector? So it was very important for us that, that we took a lead on it. We had anecdotal evidence that uh, that there was a slightly higher propensity towards uh, alcohol-related harm in, in, in the drinks industry, and that doesn't come as any surprise whatsoever. Uh, it's yeah. more accessible. Uh, for a lot of people, it's very low cost, um, sometimes even free, you know, um, and we were conscious of that too. We Before we introduced uh, the services we, we, we offer through Club Soda, we were principally in financial support and well-being support. And we did have lots of open conversations with those individuals who were applying about some of the other stresses in their lives and their coping mechanisms. And alcohol did come up a lot. Um, yeah. and, and again, I don't think that's particularly uh, endemic in the drinks industry. I think that's a societal uh, issue. And, and it, was, it was one that we faced as an industry too. So I think all of those things combined made us feel as though it was the correct and it was the it was the healthy approach for this charity to to, to take um, but as the years ahead progress we will be doing we do an annual survey now and we will be surveying each year about you know what that means for people so that we have actually got more 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 tangible evidence of, of if there is an increased uh, problem or otherwise and and irrespective of how we how we tackle it yeah absolutely and 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 Sarah I saw you nodding quite a lot there 
again, you said you've put a focus on on alcohol or, or non-alcohol um, in different ways. What, what led to that from your point of view at Finlay James? I think that it's something that I've really noticed in our sector. Um, in recruitment, as I mentioned earlier, you know, you have a lot of sales incentives, you know, um, that are revolving around alcohol. You have race days and corporate events that have an unlimited amount of alcohol included. And I think, I'll be honest, we had a couple of um, issues. We've had a couple of issues along the way with that. And it, it's finding that real balance, isn't it, between offering some kind of reward for your staff, but also wanting to look after their well-being. Um, and we started to get feedback from our people, in fact, that this is something that they didn't necessarily want anymore. And I think it's opening up that whole conversation piece around them feeling comfortable telling us that we, we actually had an office in London at one time, which, which had the notorious free bar, the free beer from 2pm every day. And we thought that was great. You know, that was an attraction piece. It was encouraging people to come and want to work for us. And what we actually discovered was that it was a detriment to both their health and their performance. And it was only when they started to leave that we realised that actually what we'd done, we thought that was a great thing. And it, it turned out not to be. So from our perspective, it's opening up the conversation. It's trying to make people feel more comfortable talking about any problems they might have. And it's trying to move away from seeing alcohol as a reward mechanism, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I, I heard the stories that I used to work in a place that had a free bar many, many years ago. Um, and actually, uh, anecdotally, a couple of weeks ago, somebody in a workshop I was running was saying what a lovely gesture um, they'd undertaken recently for a colleague who was um, at home, obviously self self-isolating. And their um, their intent to try and make them feel included was to take a crate of beer around to their home. So even in today, you know, the, the remote working world, it's yeah. seen very much as something that's actively encouraged for people, um, or, or being pushed on them at times. And, and, it, and it's hard, isn't it? To you talk about that culture that opens up, and I could see Emma, you nodding a lot there. So I'll come to you in a second. But you know that 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 piece around. Um, Asking for help is difficult. I know when I started to moderate my drinking, I didn't tell everyone because I was slightly embarrassed somehow. Um, and I knew they'd, they'd have a response somehow that I should and go on, just have one or, or whatever it might be. So, so Emma, obviously, as um, you're, you're a, a brand of non-alcohol or alcohol-free beer, um, and I saw you nodding quite a lot. What have, what have you done to help aid a conversation um, and change things in a workplace around alcohol? Yeah, I think that you've hit the nail on the head. It's about creating the culture where um, those situations like don't arise, really, and you normalise it being okay to not drink. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, thinking about this, we would, I think it's all about communication. So no one feels like they're on their own, um, and that can all link back to mental health. But um, some key tools that we've found really useful, we, we use Slack. So we don't use email. We're on Slack and we've got a couple of channels on Slack that are dedicated. One's a well-being channel. So if someone's listened to a podcast or uh, done a workout video or read a particular book that they thought was really useful, they just post that. So it's completely normal to talk about things that are useful for your, your mental health. Um, we also set ourselves a team challenge. And I can tell you, for me personally, who finds it really hard to switch off from work, this was actually like life-changing um in the second lockdown we set ourselves the challenge to walk to Bavaria as a team and we used an app called my virtual mission so every time 
um, you you did some exercise, you walked, you ran, you cycled, it logged it, and you're all working to the same thing. My average steps went up threefold just because I thought, oh, I've got to get out, I've got to go and you know help the team. So giving people other things to do that aren't focused on booze. So um, on a Thursday, we don't have team drinks. We have a water cooler um, half an hour where everyone, like you, you, you try and have the chats you'd have around a water cooler. Um, instead of it being a boozy get together, we we did a make a lucky saint loaf and you have to use a bottle of lucky saint to make a, you know, make a loaf. Um, yeah. And I think it's it's just about, and, and let's face it, like booze is important for social occasions in the UK always has been but what I think is really exciting is hearing about the, the the latest stats that have just come out like one in four visits to a pub is alcohol free one in three visits to a restaurant when they're open was alcohol free you know two-thirds of the UK want to uh, want to moderate or want to cut back so it's all there but I, I think it comes from the top and Luke is pretty much teetotal I'm a big moderator so there's not this pressure to think oh I've got to I've got to do what they're doing actually we don't we don't drink very much anyway so it's never been a big part um another thing is um two of the team are 40 next week and i think the team just naturally assumed it would be an evening gig and there'd be wine and we've just said no we're not going to do that people want to spend time with their families we're doing lunch um and we're going to work with a wonderful wonderful um set up called cooks for good who do these corporate you know lunches where you go out and you buy all your ingredients and they teach you to cook but they're using that money to feed back into um a soup kitchen in, in king's cross community kitchen so it's finding other social engagements that aren't always based around right. drinking but even compound food alcohol can follow can't it again in our, yeah, in our exactly and 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 uh, you know it that really resonated um a, a lot with me and i think when um you know with an alcohol free brand you've got something you can base that around and and certainly i know that um when people are ready to to start talking about moderating they can gravitate towards those those are things i'm thinking that sarah i heard you talk very much about a culture that's quite high pressure in drinking and i've heard that about the recruitment industry equally the pr industry the hospitality industry um you know lots of industries there is quite a, a pressured culture um and I'm, I'm i suppose what i'm really wondering is how can you help and support somebody who doesn't um maybe maybe hasn't really become um an advocate yet of mindful drinking or moderating and is knows that there's something not quite right but they don't quite know how to say it in a culture that doesn't yet really um advocate for it what what tips would you give somebody who's in that situation I would suggest an education piece. So I think that you have to start slowly. Um, and, you know, just using us as an example, we have a, a weekly internal newsletter that goes out today, actually. And we start to introduce club soda in that. We put the, the alcohol-free drinks in there. Um, we have well-being tips of the day. It's not always about alcohol-free stuff. It's about some of the stuff Emma was talking about, you know, doing the exercise and the yoga and the meditation and things. So I think it's it's a slow process, I think. But mm. I think, right, it comes from the top. And obviously, we're very lucky in Finlay James that John and I don't drink. But, you know, sometimes that can also be seen as a bit of a detriment because what we don't ever want to do is to preach to people um, or police them. And so that can be difficult, too. But I'm definitely finding the more, certainly in the last four years that I haven't drunk, people are now being much more open and transparent with me and talking to me about how excited, you know, they'll send me pictures of 
not necessarily mm. looking faint, Emma, Emma, but sometimes they're alcohol-free beer. And they're really proud of the fact that it, it's not percent or not 0.5%. Now, that wouldn't have happened four years ago. So I yeah. think education is crucial. Um, you know, we, we can't necessarily change people tomorrow, but we can start to give them the information very, very slowly, I think. And along the way, they'll, they'll get to understand that. You know, we in recruitment, it's very common to have the, the beer fridge, the wine fridge that you open on a Friday afternoon. Yeah. And we started putting alcohol-free drinks in that way before I'd stopped, actually, about five years ago. And it was interesting to see people accidentally open the wrong bottle of alcohol-free fizz. And, and I'd watch them drink it. And you could even see them changing. It was that kind of placebo effect where, you know, they were, they were still having fun and they were relaxing, yet they'd had no alcohol. So I, yeah. I think little changes like that can really help. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I said, I, I know certainly in lockdown one, I realised, well, I knew alcohol wouldn't help me, wouldn't be my friend. And I've, um, I've got a lot of stocks of alcohol free bubbles in because I found just having bubbles made a massive difference to my mood. Um, and and I did, they didn't need to have alcohol in. And because I was on Zoom, nobody realised I wasn't drinking actual alcohol. They thought I was drinking. Um, so I didn't get any peer pressure to to not, which made a big difference um, in, in that time. Because Emma, Emma or both, um, all of you have mentioned mental health. And I think that's a big part of whether we talk about well-being or mental health. Um, there's often a connection, isn't there? People, um, you know, I, I mentioned at the beginning, I think alcohol is a commonly used coping strategy when we're under stress um, and you know we reach for it um, we, and perhaps we don't even realise we're reaching for it that often we perhaps don't realise we've been reaching it too much and then it might become a problem um, but it's it's a gradual thing I think and I, I, I suppose one of the things that's making me really not think now is how do we know when somebody's got um, you know is struggling with their mental health how do we know when they're struggling with alcohol as a coping strategy what, what, what advice might you give uh, people listening, um, I, I guess let's take first, how, how might we notice um, if somebody is struggling with alcohol? Have we got any tips we can share? Well, personally, I think it's a, it's a huge challenge, and specifically during during lockdown, you know, with colleagues on furlough, and a lot of businesses will be very rarely in touch with them, if at all, mm. um, you know, and, and, and yes, over video, and, but nonetheless, you know, it's, it's difficult to, 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 to really get any strong insight. Uh, we did a survey at the end of last year of the, of the drinks hospitality industry, by which I mean the drinks supply chain and, and hospitality businesses. Um, and about ten percent, well, ten percent of respondents said that you know their main health and well-being concern was was alcohol. I mean, mm-hmm. but then stress was fifty-five percent of people. But the two things do go hand in hand, and I think that it is a coping mechanism. But I think that culturally it's very entrenched. I don't think people necessarily perceive it as that they just think oh this is this is what allows me to relax at, at the end of a the day they don't necessarily put the two things together and I think that's a challenge you know and I, and I think it's difficult to to, to to notice it in colleagues um sometimes and I think you need to have a very open culture um, mm-hmm. and maybe address stress first because it's it's been it's been it's become you know anxiety and, and depression is a much more uh, taboo has been moved to a certain extent Thankfully, there's more to do, certainly. But that's more of an approachable t- subject, subject matter than whether or not people perhaps are going to alcohol as a coping mechanism. Perhaps that's more of an inroad to it and, and that kind of conversation comes later. But people evidently are going to be scared about you know, their job prospects and their future in a business if they're perceived as having you know, alcohol 
uh, dependency issues. So it's a very challenging one to approach. And I think a, a more open conversation generally about well-being hopefully will allow us to, to, to open up that channel of discussion and provide people with the resources to tackle it where need be. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the other thing, Emma, you're nodding. What, what, um, what's on your mind at this point? Yeah, I think, I think it's just about communication, as I said. And I think we've definitely put lots and lots and lots of touch points in place. Even if you're on furlough, um, if you look in the detail of the furlough scheme, it's all about you know driving revenue as the, the hours that you post against furlough. But actually, you can still keep in touch with your team. You know, you're still allowed to have one-to-ones. You still, we still have a Monday morning meeting that everyone turns up to. You know, we still do socials together. I think it's really, really important that people don't feel like they're out there on their own, on a limb. And I think, like, I'm really passionate about weekly one-to-ones and having them at the same time. And f- the first, first part of the one-to-one, no matter how long it takes, is, is about them and how they're doing. And I, th- I really encourage people to not use closed questions. One of, the best, one of the best tips someone gave me is make it specific. So you say, how are you doing today? You know, mm. you talk about today and now. And again, you know, I think drinking is 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 the is the symptom, not the cause. And often other people have other, you know, other things they go to. But if you can help give people um, a way to uh, a way to talk about it and a, an environment where it's OK to talk about it and be vulnerable. You know, we've all watched the Brené Brown <laughs> TED Talk. Absolutely. <laughs> Like I'm really honest with the team every now and again, I will eat an entire packet of party rings all in one go. You know, that's my way of dealing with it. But, you know, just being honest with it um, and giving people the opportunity to talk about it and then giving like putting resources in place um, to that there's things that they can go to. Super important. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think from a senior leadership perspective as well, I mean, it's it's perhaps easier in, in, in my situation because obviously I've got a charity, it's a smaller team, uh, we're fairly close-knit. Um, but I think it stems from the top two. I'm, you know, we. I'm very honest about with my colleagues as they've been with me over the last year in particular. It's been a particularly stressful year for us. You know, we've had five mm-hmm. times as many many beneficiaries in a year than we ever have before. And and you know, I, I continue to drink, and I won't lie. It's it's been played a part in perhaps too many evenings of a week for me. Um, and I and I'm honest about that with my colleagues, and I don't treat it as a kind of. Uh, I'm honest about it, but I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't can, kind of not in a boastful way, not at all. You know, I'm just saying. You know, I, I honestly feel perhaps I'm drinking too much at the minute, and, yeah. and you know, if they if they feel that you can be open and, and say that in front of them, um, then perhaps they're more inclined to, to open up to you too, and you can have an open conversation about it. I think there's a lot to do in, around normalisation of not drinking as well. Too often, if if I and I'm guilty of this myself, but I think it's true of a lot of people, particularly in our industry, but society. If you go out and, and you say to somebody, "Would you like a drink?" and they say, "No, I don't drink." The immediate question is why? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and how long have you not drunk for? And what do you do in these situations? Is it difficult? And I think that we need to be able to move past that. You know, it shouldn't. There should be no questions that that follow that statement, other than okay, you know, what can I get you? It really should be. Able, we should be able to get to that place. And I, and I think that by doing so, it will encourage other people to think it's not an issue for me not to. You know, and uh, I think normalisation of, of not drinking is is a big piece of work that needs to be done. Certainly, I think in, yeah. in my industry and generally. Absolutely. Um, I know certainly uh, it's taken me a number of years to get to the stage where I'm very open now. And actually, the more I'm open about it, the more I explain it. People aren't expecting me to drink anymore. 
So when I get out a bottle of alcohol free, they're not saying to me, oh, what's going on? As they used to, they're just accepting it and they don't push me on it anymore. And that takes a lot of pressure off me um, in a time when we're already under quite a lot of pressure, which I think is being increasingly um, recognised and noticed. One of the things I've um, to, to add from Michelle's perspective, we spend a lot of time talking to people. Um, and one of the things that I've heard a little bit about is people um, in, in cultures where drinking is still quite prevalent. Um, there's there's almost been not so much signs to see, but signs to hear. Um, people almost bragging about the drinking they got up to at the weekend or having to be put to bed um, after passing out on a sofa. Um, almost this sort, this sort of bragging rights and this competition between between colleagues um, and I think that's definitely something I would advocate it can be listened out for um, because I think a lot of the signs and symptoms that we might see are very closely linked to the signs and symptoms we'd see under stress um, and particularly when we're not seeing people in person even when you see them in person people are unlikely to be drinking from a bottle obviously um, certainly when we're talking about home drinking we're talking about furlough we're talking about we can only see a tiny part of the screen we don't know what else is going on. So what we're likely to see are the signs and symptoms of stress. Um, and absolutely, for me, that advocates, Ross, your point, have the conversation with people. Um, and as you say, I'm going to get onto the front foot with people um, and ask them how they are, um, bypass drinking to start off with, um, because they say it often is a coping strategy rather than, well, oh, I'm just going to get drunk today. It's It's really that. Uh, Sarah, I guess um, you know you, you've done a, a huge amount in in th that culture. Is there anything um, else that you've seen work well, either to help um, employees in a, in a workplace or to support employers to to do that little bit more? Just maybe even the first step you'd encourage them to take. Um, I think things like, I mean, we're, we're lucky. We're we're a small company, but we have got a head of people here who is very one-to-one -one with our people she she does weekly catch-ups with them at the moment from a well-being perspective I think sometimes whilst it's really really good to have one-to-ones with your manager you maybe don't want to tell your manager everything they may be the person who's causing you the stress ultimately so one thing we do have here at, at Finley James and I know other companies do this is like a, a buddy system so when somebody new starts they get given a buddy and that's that's essentially a colleague but maybe not in the same team as them. And they can speak to them about work-related stuff or, or outside, you know, personal issues as well. And I think having that other person to talk to sometimes, maybe in confidence, is, is really good. It's a really good idea. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a, it's it's an ongoing question for all of us, isn't it? Because I think you you mentioned earlier around people don't want to become the alcohol police. And I've heard it referred to as people don't want to become the fun police because of the association alcohol has with having a good time you know we're all adults it's not illegal is it so um actually creating that culture i don't think is simple i don't think it's easy so i think it, it's really helpful to start sharing ideas but also realize there's there's possibly more we could all think about um and and to keep sharing those ideas because i don't think it, i don't think it's simple um it's well it certainly isn't simple i think dealing with a level of stress and challenge people are under right now is is one of the toughest things um, and I don't know about you I've seen a huge amount on social media where um, you know it's almost being advocated as the thing that's going to get us through you know you don't change that culture overnight do you but you know homeschooling I think is I'm seeing a lot of reference to let's get through homeschooling with a bottle of wine or 
a bottle of vodka. So it isn't um, quick and simple. Um, and of course, everyone has a different level of tolerance. So I suppose one of the my, the final sort of questions I've got. So if somebody listening is um, sitting there thinking, actually, maybe maybe I'm drinking more than is helpful for me, more than I want to. Um, maybe I've been that person who's been bragging about drinking and, and I've seen it as a sort of badge of honour, but maybe maybe now I'm not. Um, where could they go for help? Um, because I think Sarah's made a really good point. You don't necessarily want to tell your manager, um, not straight off. So so where would you refer people to at this point? Well, I, I can I could pick up certainly from the, the charity's perspective. Um, I think it's important, particularly for I mean, the industry obviously that we represent is is the drinks hospitality industry, and that increasingly is 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 low and low as well. But if, I, if we're honest with ourselves, it's still majority funded by and majority provide services to people working with alcoholic beverages. Um, I think that there probably there may well be a lot of concern. I think from people in our industry who where they start to recognise perhaps that they're over imbibing or that it's becoming problematic that. Being too honest with themselves could lead to, you know, loss of employment. Or where do they go in an industry that, 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 that where you know alcohol's at the heart of it? Um, and I think that, you know, being able to to, to reach out and, and, and have a conversation and increasingly realise that you can operate in this industry as uh, as a non-drinker and 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 more generally that you know, drinking less is 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 just as manageable. Um, perhaps as as more manageable perhaps than you might think. And uh, meeting more and more people in our industry who aren't significant consumers of alcohol um, and I think that people in our industry really need to understand that that, that is achievable um, and I think that once you've once you're there you, you know you can reach out to us in all sorts of ways you know we can on our website which is drinkstrust.org.uk we've got access to all sorts of services that we provide there including the mindful drinking courses through so also uh, we provide free of charge therapy services uh, with, with uh, you know fully qualified counsellors um, we provide sleep and insomnia treatment which obviously often does go hand in hand with stress as well um, and uh, people can also contact us through our, uh, our helpline which is 0800 915 and speak to fully qualified counsellors there who can then push them towards the, the other services we provide um, but I'd encourage anybody to it's anonymous uh, you can you can get in touch and, and speak to speak to people and and, and start the conversation um, and that's the important place to start. Yeah absolutely thanks Ross. Emma? Yeah, some of the resources I found that have been really useful. I think the first one is to recognise that, you know, alcohol um, has been associated with social occasions like since <laughs> dawn of time, right? Yeah, so it's really, help, yeah, it's really helpful to know that there are masses and masses now of no and low choices across wine, beer, spirits. Um, I know the Club Soda's got a fantastic sort of back catalogue of everything. So I think that's a really important place to start that you can enjoy a no and low version you can put it in a glass like make an occasion out of it put ice in it put a slice of lemon make it make yourself feel nice you know and that that really really can hugely help people um, moderate their alcohol and um, the second point is obviously I've, I've actually done it the mindful drinking course um uh, the club soda one for the for the month it's absolutely brilliant and I have so I used to like relish when the kids went to bed I have 20 minutes to myself to go and log in watch the videos etc and I highly highly encourage people to do it it definitely helped me moderate when things were getting a bit hairy last year mm-hmm. um the other the other great um organization is an organization called um healthy hospo um and we work with them with club soda and um 
Jack McGarry, who is of Dead Rabbit, which was voted one of the best bars in New York. He's actually a sober bartender. So, yes, he mixes cocktails for other people, but um, he actually doesn't drink himself. And they've got wonderful resources on their seminars, all sorts of things to look at. Um, we did one on um, how to have a healthier relationship with alcohol when you're surrounded by it all the time if you're in hospitality. So really do check out Healthy Hospo. Um, we're a very big supporter of the Drinks Trust. A percentage of our profits go to the Drinks Trust. Um, and I just, yeah, just keep keep understanding. I think the main thing is to know that you're not on your own. You know, 80 percent of the UK are trying to make healthier lifestyle choices. We're all doing our best. We're all trying. You're not on your own. Um, there's nothing wrong. You know, there's but there's loads and loads and loads of resource out there. And I would say, OK, you know, lockdown came four days into January and everyone said, screw dry January. I think we should re I think we should rebrand it. Try January. Just try something new. Just try that bottle of no and low fizz. Just try that alcohol free beer and yeah. just just have a go. And, you know, the no and low movement is happening at home. Much, much easier to go into um, Sainsbury's and buy a no and low beer and try it at home on your own on a Monday than it would be on a Friday in a busy work environment to order that first pint of, um, you know, Lucky Saint or Draft, if you like. That's hard, right? That's really hard. So, um, yeah, just just give it a go and have a go. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Try it for January. Fabulous. Yeah, and just a second. I think it's absolutely vital. It's, it's not all or nothing. There, there is a healthy approach to consumption uh, and, and one that will benefit thousands and tens of thousands of people you know if they, if they only they can get access to, to, to the to the to the resources to, to allow them to do that um, yeah. it's, it's not binary because i think that puts an awful lot of people off to, to, to think of it as i either do do or don't I mean, okay. absolutely yeah. yeah just to quickly add to that i can tell you that we did a brilliant survey with all our uh, consumers that buy us at, on our website and 80 percent are moderators so this is, you know, this is not, as you say, um, Ross, this is a not all or nothing. Most of us drinking low and low, the vast majority are still drinking as well. So, yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and Sarah, I can see you've been nodding vigorously during that conversation. It, 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 where have you been referring people to or where would you refer people to? Yeah, so from our perspective, we've got, um, as many employees will have, an EAP scheme and we would probably refer people to that in the first instance because you know, that's confidential and it obviously involves counselling, etc. Um, but I, ha I have been referring people to, to look at the, the stuff on Club Soda itself. You know, there's, as the guys have said, there's so many resources out there. We've got quite a few of our people have told me recently they're reading some of the, the Annie Grace books and things that they've picked up along the way. And that's not something I, you know, promoted to them. They've just found them themselves. And as Emma and Ross both said, you know, it, it isn't just an all or nothing. We have yeah. loads of people who have now started introducing low and, and, and no alcohol beers as well as drinking. So they might drink three times a week and then on the other days they'll cut down. And I think that's a great start. You know, a lot of these people are young. They're only in their 20s. Yeah. I didn't even think about alcohol free and there wasn't anything in those days. It was caliber and it was horrible. You know, <laughs> it, they've got to start somewhere and I think it, it's a great start just to yeah. cut down. Absolutely. I, I remember starting off with um, just a tonic rather than a gin and tonic, but mm. telling, telling people it was both. Nobody knew. Nobody could question me. Nobody asked to taste my drink to check. And it was a way I could get comfortable before I started communicating it. So there's lots of different ways. And I think right now, the one the way that remote working does work for us is to allow you that experimentation, doesn't it? 
Um, notwithstanding, I know that, of course, it also makes it more likely that we might feel lonely and isolated. And I think that does, you know, particularly to those who are furloughed, um, you know, bring us back to the mental wealth and well-being piece. And that's something that's really worth um, if somebody is feeling that way to realise that actually reach out rather than um, than not talk to somebody there's loads of places as well as the resources that everyone on the call has um, talked about everyone can access local council funded services um, and often people that the hardest thing is actually making that first call um, but what you've got on the other end of all of those services are people who understand who want to help um, who are not and who are willing to help so please don't be frightened to make that call uh, once you've made it you'll probably feel a huge sense of relief um, and perhaps that sense that you're not alone so um, I hope that we've uh, maybe um, given you some food for thought. I think um, it does raise lots and lots of questions. And Laura from Club um, Club Stoda, who's been um, producing the show, um, has just pop popped on. Um, Laura, would, would you add anything from your perspective? We've obviously already talked about all of your wonderful resources, but what else would you say? I think, you know, um, the overwhelming message that's come in from this podcast is all about creating a culture, a culture of um, drinking lots not being normal, about not pressuring your colleagues to drink and about making sure that you provide something for everybody. And if nothing else, that's about, um, you know, looking after a diverse workforce, isn't it? Not everybody drinks and there are many reasons why they may not. And, it's you know, you wouldn't not have vegan food um, on a, a work buffet either. So why would you not think about drinks as well? And so everyone here has really put that case around. It's not being a nanny. It's about a culture of wellness. Absolutely. And so it's certainly at Champs when we're, we're always talking about that culture of wellness uh, at its foundation is well-being and, and is mental health. And it, it, the, com the conversation, if you can start that open conversation and create a culture where people can say, I'm not OK, then whether alcohol is part of the issue or food or any other coping strategies that perhaps becoming unhelpful, that, that's the way to starting that conversation um, and giving people support in a very different way. So thank you all for listening. Remember to subscribe to the weekly Club Soda podcast and also to grab your offer with Lucky Saints. I know I'm going to be first in the queue for that one. Thank you. podcast is brought to you by club soda you can find out more about what we do on joinclubsoda.com and on our social handles at join club soda